Welcome to the Fitness Oracle, where we have real conversations with real people, just like you, with real stories, just like yours. And this is one of their stories. I am your host, John Katsavos. My guest today is Lamont Daig, a French Acadian from Richibucto, New Brunswick, and has been living in Toronto for the past 20 years and a proud father of a 15-year-old daughter. He is the owner of He's the owner and water educator of Canjan Water Toronto, brand ambassador of Bio Optimizers, initiated member to the Mankind Project International, and advocate to Boys to Men Canada. Lamont creates passionately and tirelessly around all empowerment, however, attunes to the men to boys boy crisis. Lamont meditates when possible, loves Dr. Hawkins, enjoys writing, dances hard, chefs like like craft, skates barefoot in pools, and dedicates his devotion to The Line Canada, an international movement drawing the line to all forms of government, governmental tyranny, and unjust power structures, mainly everything under the 2020 COVID-19 pandemic power grab. Lamont, <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank you so much, John. So what is skating barefoot in pools? Thank you for asking that because, you know, skateboarders, you see, that's the thing. I don't skate and I do ice skate. And most people who are skaters say skating. But when you're a skateboarder, we say skates. So most people would not know what I mean by skating in a pool. So I've been a skateboarder since I was eight years old. So 41 years on a board basically. And yeah, I drop in in pools that are made of cement, ramps, whatever. Uh, some days barefoot if I want to, but you know, it's, uh, I'm an insane extreme kind of dude. And you know, there's a there's different tricks though that I'm gonna do when I've got pads and shoes and helmets, versus when I just drop in with nothing, including being barefoot. It's a little bit stupid of me to do that, <laughs> but I'm an adrenaline freak, and somehow I like it when kids go, "Ooh, look at the old guy skateboarding without shoes on." I love that shit. So long. <laughs> right? Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I get my audience the way I get them. That's that's pretty much it. Yeah. So what is Kangen Water? So Kangen Water was really, you know, like I've been involved in health and wellness um, uh, at the level of working with the 1% here in Toronto for probably around like 20 years back here in TO. And I quickly learned that there was quite a, uh, a dichotomy, like quite a separation between, um, you know, conventional medicine, holistic medicine, big gap. And I was working on the medical side for a while. And then all of a sudden, this water system came into my life called Kangen Water. Uh, and these have been medical devices in Japanese hospitals uh, approved by the Japanese Ministry and Labor of Wel and, and Welfare uh, as a medical device in over 200 hospitals in Japan. So I quickly realized that there was a big difference between the water that we were being told was healthy in North America versus the kind of water that these machines make from Japan. And I happen to have one and I have quite a testimonial and I've seen a lot happen, 
you know, with over 250 families that I've personally dealt with over 12 years. And so uh, it's an incredible kind of water, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, water is the essential nutrient that keeps us alive. So, yeah. So uh, why would you say that this is a touchy subject? Hmm. Well, let's look at the way, you know, and this whole, honestly, the last six months have really shown me personally from being involved with different groups who have different uh, ideas around what's been going on with the government, what's been going on with these new lockdowns and stuff is that people have truly shown their true colors. And so what's going on is um, the water is a very, you know, you can find people that complain about 5G. You can pe talk about chemtrails. You can talk about people wearing organic cotton versus polyester. Everybody's got something. There's such a wide diversity of stuff that people can divide a line on to believe or not to believe or to stand up against or not. Okay, let's just get that out of the way. Everybody's a, a hypocrite in my opinion. Okay, so number one. Now, it's easy for people to pick on subjects like that. But when you pick on something like water, which in my opinion is a liquid form of God, okay? Nothing happens in the world without it. You know, even gasoline without water can't, can't work. Nothing works without water. You can do anything else. The water is going to be the one thing that everybody can, can come aboard and say, no, you're, you're right. We can't have it. We can't have anything without water. That even as somebody might care about the car they drive, or the job they have, how their marriage is going, or their relationship with their kids. Nobody, sorry, I have to rephrase that. Everybody has a personal relationship as to what they believe about water. Everybody has it. You either hate it or you love it. And if you love it, then there's a big thing about water. All of a sudden, if, if somebody didn't stand up for anything in their life before, now they're like, oh, I only drink this kind of water. No, 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 your water's bad and my water's good. And this is the things that I believe about it. And it's unbelievable how people have their opinions about water when they know nothing about the proper science around water. It's the same thing about people going, I'm going to wear my mask because I've been told to wear my mask because people are going to die if I don't. And I'm like, well, have you seen people die? Well, no, but the mask is here to protect me from you and you from me and me from me. Well, Amazing. Now, what would you say if I wanted to actually show you some studies? Would you be interested in that? Nope, not interested. I believe what I believe. Great. Now, let's talk about water. Oh, well, water is just water. And I'm like, no, it's not. You know? So then I get into and say, well, let me ask you this. Like, really, what do you believe in water? Well, I think it just does this and it just does it all. I'm like, no, there's chemicals in water. The container matters where it's been poured. When you drink it, how you drink it, how much of it you drink, it's important. And so I just tell, tell people, listen, if you were taking a look at a bottle of water that's been poisoned by plastics, sitting on a skid in the back of a truck in plus 30 degree weather for six months, and then you get a 2-4 of this plastic bottle in Costco for three bucks, and it's been dead for two, like two days after it was poured, what do you think that's going to do for you versus a running spring water down a waterfall? Which one do you want? And they go automatically, actually. Oh, the spring water coming out of a waterfall. I'm like, okay, great. When's the last time you had that? Oh, 
well, I think my great-grandmother had it back in Slovenia coming off the mountains when the sheep were licking the dew off the leaves. And uh, it was incredible. The people there lived to 200 years old. It was a secret village. And I'm like, okay, great. I like where you're going with that. Now, what if I was to tell you you could have that water in a machine sitting on your counter for 25 years and you'll actually save more money by owning it than not and your health will be incredible and your brain might actually come on since you were in the country like in the old days. That'll all come back to you. And they're like, well, how does that happen? I'm like, well, one step at a time. Let me explain to you. Let's just start you drinking the water. Don't believe a damn thing I'm telling you. What if I just gave you the water for nothing for 30 days? Would that help? Sure. And almost 90% of the time, if the people actually said yes to drinking it, I've seen miracles happen, quite frankly. So it's good stuff. Long is, story short. Is this like, <laughs> is this alkaline water? Yeah, primarily, yes. You see, and it's not, alkaline water caused by bicarbonate soda or by a certain method. I mean, you could have lye in water, which is what the city of Toronto does to raise the pH of the water where it's alkaline, but you wouldn't want to drink it. Right. There's certain minerals and drops and certain things that make the water just taste like terrible, but it's alkaline. Okay. So how do you enjoy water that tastes good is alkaline. And I must reassure you the pH of the blood doesn't change. There's a lot of proponents out there saying, oh, alkaline water changes the pH of the blood. No, 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 no. It doesn't. It, it, it takes very, very strong ingredients to do that to the pH of the blood because if it changes much more than 7.365 pH, more alkaline's okay, but more acidic's not going to make it too good for you. So what an alkaline water does is it relieves the organs of the body to have to digest so hard. It, it relieves the organs from having to work so hard at translating a water in the body that's going to actually hydrate it properly and give those connective tissues and cartilage the, the bicarbonate buffers in the water that's going to allow a healing detox every night where you're not stealing those bicarbonate buffers to raise the pH of your body to a place where you're not robbing those buffers from your bones and connective tissues. Because, you know, we've all seen old people kind of thing, right? As they, as they start to age, they start to crumble. They start to, to, to bend a little bit. And all of a sudden, you know, between 40 and 80 years old, they've all of a sudden had a cane in their hand and now they're crawling on the ground because they've shriveled because we've trained our conventional elders programmed wise that as you age, you shrink. As you age, you shrivel like a grape to a raisin. And that doesn't have to happen. I'm almost 50 years old and I can do Tough Mudder marathons. I skateboard. I can dance straight for three or four hours. As long as I have my water, I can, I can do magic, right? Because it keeps my fuel going. I don't need to eat because I live in a society where food is more of a resource for people for their own fears and their own comforts than water. When you drink the right water, you don't need to eat as much. When you drink the right water like Kangen, your recovery in the gym is incredible. Like my best friend, this guy here, and I'll talk about him later, right? Wade T. Lightheart is a raw vegan bodybuilding champion 
who retired from bodybuilding after his second championship because the guy almost died because of all the diuretics and the junk this bodybuilder had to eat and take for almost a year to two years before his competition. The guy almost died. So he retires, and boom, four years later, being the director of Yelton Holistics in Vancouver, the guy starts drinking Kangen water and lost almost 4% body fat about a week and a half. He gained about a four and a half points in his VO2 max in about a week and a half to two weeks. And he goes like, wait a second, what's going on here? He goes back into competing after four years retired in three weeks when the next bodybuilding championship of Canada is on and the guy wins in two divisions without training for years. He did it in three weeks. So that's part of the story as to why he wrote this book. That's why Elvis Stoico is on this water. And we know what kind of a maniac Elvis Stoico is, right? Yeah. <laughs> I like yeah. maniacs. Yeah, I like maniacs. <laughs> maniacs get shit done, you see. Actually, they do. So that's the thing about the water, basically. As soon as he had that kind of reaction, he came to me after winning 15th in the world Mr. Universe in Greece in three months, and then came to see me in, Van in Toronto with sciatica so bad, I was on six Tylenol threes a day, hitting the bong, about six times a day, just so I could function up here and cut the pain down so I could actually walk up my door. And my, my dude comes over, he leaves me the Kanga machine for three days. And a week later, I was off the drugs. A week later, I got into chiropractic care with network, changed my life. And now you can't stop me, right? And I would say a big piece of it was getting the right water in my body. And that's, awesome. that's, that's really it. You know, that's awesome. So what's the Mankind Project International? Well, uh, back in 2009, you know, after I had just recovered, actually, this is part of the story is that when I got into Kangen Water, our slogan is change your water, change your life. So the water comes in. All of a sudden, my marriage isn't what I want it to be. <laughs> I knew it wasn't what it was supposed to be for five years in. The water comes into my life, shakes my brain open and goes, wait a second, my friend, you need to change your life. And so everything sucked in my life. My career sucked. My marriage sucked. My relationship with my daughter sucked. I wasn't a man. I hated my life and I had to change what was going on. So I left my wife, quit my job, started from scratch and decided to go bankrupt. I wiped everything out, giving everything to my ex-wife and said, you know what? I need to change my life. It's not your fault. I'm the problem live a good life with my daughter. Let me help you be as happy as possible and let me go through my healing, my healing detox. So, you know, my massage therapist came to me one day after I was sitting on the massage table and, um, and he goes, boy, you're tight. What the hell's wrong with you? And I started telling him what was going on. He goes, my friend, he goes, you really need help as a man because every woman hates you right now. <laughs> I'm like, Yep. My mom hated me, my wife, my kid, my girlfriend, everybody hated me because I was uh, not showing up as, uh, as a good man because everything I lived was a lie pretty much. So he says, you need the mankind project. This guy's name is Laurent Sirois. He's this great massage therapist out of Quebec, you know, and he says, you need men, man. You need to become a real man. You need to grow some balls. And I'm like, okay. What do I got to lose? And quite frankly, when you take a look at, you know, when you take a look at the collateral damage around you, when you thought you had it all figured out, 
I went, what can I lose? So I went on what's called a new warrior training adventure in Quebec. Met some incredible people. I learned that this organization has been around since the mid eighties, you know, to kind of give men something after feminism. Right. And so to grow our balls back and to learn from Iron John, Robert Bly's book around what happened to men after the, you know, after the industrial era came after, you know, World War II kind of came back. We were just trying to figure ourselves out again. The woman who had been given more power, you know, what we were starting to see how the family unit was all getting set up for the marketing machine of North America. Right. And we lost our connection with the boys because now we weren't interested in apprenticeships being masons, carpentry, plumbing, electricians. We weren't working with our boys anymore. We wanted our men nice and clean, like the drapes in our house, to go work in offices where we were part of the system. Right? So we lost our boys. Then the boys started being raised by women. So then we became mama's boys, like me. All right? So women don't understand men. Men don't understand women. It's not brain science. You are initiated, like every other culture in the world, irreverent of time. We're talking thousands of years where the men, as soon as puberty hit the boys, you took them away from the women and you went into the woods and you had initiation and you had them struggle to survive so they could grow a challenge, testicles, and learn how to live in the midst of warrior, tiger, energy. And the woman, same thing. They went with the grandmothers and they went with the elders and you took them away from the men and you helped them realize they were the information keepers. The women were the ones who ran the old societies. The men just showed up, quite frankly, to have sex, go to war and eat and train and play. That's it. It wasn't real hard for us to understand. Okay, that's all we needed because we were lizard people back then. Our consciousness was a little bit more rudimentary, should I say. So I joined this Mankind Project, 80,000 men around the world since then. I can call any man in the world part of the MKP and say, hey, brothers, Eagle Mountain Spirit here, my animal name that I was given during the weekend from Toronto. I want to come down there and do a weekend with you guys. Can I staff? Can I stay with you? And they'll be like, aho, brother which is an acronym for Authentic, Honest, and Open. One little thing we appropriated from the First Nations. We apologize, but hey, we appropriate stuff that works that, you know, from other cultures to say thank you. We honor you by taking some of your words. Are you going to hate us for that? No, because we're going to show you how we become even tighter. I hope that works for you. We're not asking permission, right? Exactly. So that's it. Then I became the iGroup coordinator for my group. I ran a group here for a while in Toronto, 15 to 20 men. And then COVID happened. <laughs> you know? And all the men that I worked with since 2009, none of them would meet me on the field to face the cops, to face the BLM, to face the Antifa, to you know, face chainsaw massacres, machete-wielding people. Like, we went through a lot. But none of my men followed me there. And that's okay. Over time, MKP men showed up, but not from my personal group, which hurt me. Because I've been there for these men since 2009. And now other MKP men were coming to support me. 
And I'm not telling you what I'm going to do in the future. It's going to be a surprise for the MKP guys because of what I'm going to create. See, I don't, I don't forget, brother. <laughs> I create. I create something from what happened. You know, instead of me having a story and stuff that's negative, I go, okay, I see how you play. And now I guess we're just going to have to do things my way because ultimately I have this thing called Christ consciousness running through my veins. And I'm going to teach you what that is. Might hurt a little bit, but guess what? The only way to learn anything in this world is through a little bit of pain. Too bad we're this way. But until we get back to a tribal network and stuff with our people who actually care about us, which is what we're building right now, things are going to be, things are going to hurt a little bit longer than normal. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm always a proponent that uh, pain will actually get you, make you stronger as a person. So it's, it's critical for us to understand pain. Speaking of which, you went through a lot of pain uh, with your, you know, getting rid of everything. Sure. You must have been like, like crushed because I've been there before and I know what it feels like. Yeah, it was like a, a, you know, it was a bitter pill. It was like a double-edged sword. It was like, you know, it, and when you start to pay attention to plant medicine, like ayahuasca, when you start paying attention to, you know, why people use Santa Maria, like marijuana another plant medicine, when you start to take a look at, you know, the negative versus the positive, the bad versus the good, always this polarity that you're being taught. When you start learning through Christ consciousness with proper discipleship, of the enlightened masters who calibrated such high levels of consciousness that you don't get to that point until you've gone through the fire, a phoenix rising again, is that, you know, like Jocko, you know, some of those guys that say, nice, everybody just died, good, now we get to start fresh, you know, or, you know, hey, yeah, he lost his leg, good. Now he's going to learn to use his hand. Like the guy, there's always a positive that comes from the negative. In my opinion, my good friend, is if you just hang out long enough to see the circle of influence come back around and come back again. It doesn't matter how many years, John, because even you've seen this. Somebody you met 20 years ago calls you out of the blue and just says, hey, 20 years ago, you remember what this happened? And you're like, damn, you're back, you know? Or two minutes later, somebody punches you in the face on the TTC, you know, and all of a sudden you drop your wallet and somebody just had money for dinner. Like, if you're just waiting long enough to see how the whole thing plays out, you always see that the negative come back, comes back to water your, your garden. So as long as you believe that, then God smiles upon you. Creation smiles upon you and the universe is on your side every damn time so amen to that amen my brother <laughs> <laughs> uh what brought you to become an advocate uh for, to uh boys to men canada very simple uh the first thing that i realized from looking at uh being in mkp is that we see you know we don't talk much about the structure of the new warrior training adventure because we want the men to be really going into an environment where they're scared shitless okay they come to a door before they come in and they are held there by the the, the elder wisdom keeper that literally asks them are you ready to go through that door 
Are you ready to go into the fire and get what you need to become a man? Are you ready now? And they go, yes. And you go through that door. Now, when you go in there and we go through our weekend for two days, we have a circle. We create circles of men, eldership, where we mentor each other. And when you have a father there with his son, I've never seen healing like it, my friend. It's incredible. So it's always about the child and getting that child to understand the reactionary uh, and progressionary parenthood that needs to happen between mother and father in a community that supports them. And when the child starts out with proper role models at the beginning, then these are going to be fully functional, good people in the world and stuff to build a new world that we need. Because this whole situation going on in the world right now has been bullshit political correctness that has destroyed the fact that we have to go on apps on our phones to date Okay, instead of actually talking to each other, men have been demonized as raping and pillaging bastards, demonized by the Me Too movement, created to give us a disassociation agenda, just like social distancing and mask wearing right now, which is slavery, virtual signaling, to disconnect people where we no longer look at someone's face and look to see where the heart lies in the relationship. It's gone. So, if we can show our children how to be for the next level, this new world that's coming, no matter what we want, we need to bring a new world into effect that goes backwards into not a no new normal, not into a new normal, but an old, better world, not even normal. People need to get cray-cray. The only thing you're like, okay, because we need to start talking about aliens, okay? We need to start talking about this you know, this new world agenda. And we need to start talking about the fact that every level of society, John, literally, if you do your research, you can see a rabbit trail to every segment of society that had been created to keep us sick and stupid, disconnected, take our guns away, right? Make us lazy, fat slobs, you know? Take a look at that movie with Morgan Freeman and Brad, Brad, uh, Brad Pitt. I can't remember that movie. Uh, seven, I think, right? Seven Sins, perfect film to show what's going on today, right? We've got disconnection going on and a government that's propagating it with mainstream media. And if people just realize, like, guys, why do you think you watch Hollywood to see the hero's journey every time? And if you even knew what the hero's journey was, then you'd realize then every time you look at Batman or Superman or, you know, Frodo or Jesus Christ, every hero's journey is that when you have your neighbor next to you trying to fulfill his hero's journey, why are you putting him down? Why? And why do you think it's not possible for you to do the same damn thing? Rise up. Get some balls. Stand up and quit that goddamn job you hate. Live your dreams and talk to people that are willing to mentor you through the process. We're up there. We're just waving the flag going, where have you been? Where have you been? And are you willing to do this? Don't listen to anyone else that's living a conventional life. You're not going to learn from people's conventional ideals. You've got to go for the trailblazers. You've got to go for those people. 
that are changing the world. If it's uncomfortable, you need to look at it. Right? Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard of a candida diet, John? Yes, I have, actually. It's terrible. <laughs> Never tried it. <laughs> if anybody ever tells me they enjoy a candida diet, you're no longer my friend. Just get out of here and tell me when you've done it and then show me how to do it when I can still have Twinkies on a Friday night with lots of Kangen water, we're going to be just fine. I'm totally kidding, John, but no, it's a great diet. But I, I'm not ready for that shit. I still like my coffee, okay? I still like to eat sideways a little bit. But listen, when you have good water, you meditate, you love what you do, you're surrounded by people that love you, and you have a good mission in your life, it doesn't matter what you do. And it we're... You'll vibrate at a higher level of consciousness, man, that blows all that shit out of the water, quite frankly, right? We're going to touch up on all that a little bit later. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what can we do in the world with what's left? Raise your community up. Get involved in your community. Go knock on your neighbor's doors and introduce yourself. Back in March, I went around my neighborhood and I knocked on doors. Half the people answered the door and half of the people didn't. And I know they were home because they were all locked down. Back when everybody thought people were going to fall off buildings and shit. Okay? I went door to door. The people that opened the door, half the people thought I was completely crazy. But at the end of the conversation, they actually listened to me because I said, listen, down the street, there's a door. It says number one on it. There's a black mailbox in there. You can leave a letter. If you have any problems from this day forward, as a man, you can come and talk to me. If you need to speak as a woman, Helen is there who I live with, and she's there to help the women. If your children need help, then my daughter can help you. We're there if you need help. In, especially in a time when everybody's running for the hills and don't want to talk to you, we're there for you. Now, nobody showed up, nobody sent a letter, and that's fine. But I'll tell you what, John, if the shit hits the fan, just like, the, just like what's happening in Australia right now, and you don't know who else to talk to, they're going to know they can come down my street and I'll be there because they see me every weekend loading my truck up with all the supplies to go and face a protest in downtown Toronto where I take a thousand people in the streets to protest through downtown Toronto and I take people right into the middle of Yorkville with a speaker system of 1200 watts and when I shout freedom is essential strength through unity unity through faith the government will never divide us I know I'm getting to people and so when they see me with my line symbol walking in there and getting my jeep ready they're they're paying attention and they know I'm the cuckoo guy. They know. So if violent action needs to happen in this city, when you come to my house, I'll tell you right now, if they do this mandatory vaccine, vaccine agenda for myself or my daughter, someone's going to die, John. Someone's going to die. I don't think they're going to do the mandatory vaccine. I'm, there's, uh, there's too many people that are not going to take it. We're not going to take it. Exactly. Oh, no. We're there's not there's take actually it. protests around Europe right now as, we, as we're speaking. Mm -hmm. just, just the fact that they're actually putting masks on children. Oh. So 
totally. You, what do you, what do you think is going to happen with it, with a vaccine? Nothing. They're well, going to try. Like they've already tried. They might try, but I'll tell you what they do, John. And see, this is their, this is the pussy whipped agenda of this new world order agenda. UN bullshit. Okay. Here's this, here's the scenario. John, now we're not going to mandate you having a vaccine, but listen, you know, because of the social credit system in that little, you know, faraway country called the CCP, you're not allowed to board a plane. You can't do your tax return. You're going to get fired. You can't go to your local store anymore and you can't get groceries for your family because you're not getting a vaccination. But it's, it's not mandatory. It's volunteer. But you can't do anything. So that's what they're doing. And that's what they're going to propose. But what I'm saying is this, I'm, and I'm just talking about worst case scenario here. Listen, I have really nice nails. I like the way my hair looks. I look way better with glasses than not. I'm sure you can attest, you know, we look way more intelligent with glasses, right? You and I. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if the shit hits the fan, it's not what I wish for, but I have to be prepared for that. Because you see, that's the thing what I do. That's what I do when I meditate, John, is I always say to God what I want. And I always know what could go wrong. But I say, God, this is what I need, this, this, and this, and this. However, I don't have an expectation that I'm going to get what I want, but you know what I need. And, you know, if you just grace me with the fact that my karma doesn't need to revisit some of the darkness that you may have to unfold on me, give me the good stuff. Because you might know what I want, but I release the expectation that it's going to happen. Right. So that where way do you, good stuff happens. Yeah. Where do you think it all went wrong? It went wrong, well, for thousands of years. You know, I mean, let's look at it, look at it this way. People are going to call me crazy if I start talking in timelines and aliens and, you know, Illuminati and all that kind of stuff. But I think people are willing to take a look at the fact that there is, there are, you know, uh, factions out there that do believe in darker agendas than let's say, you know, people that are looking to good, to do good things, just as the level of good things are going on in the world. There's dark things, just like cops, for example, there's good cops and bad cops. There's good gangs and bad gangs. You know, there's always the duality, especially when people don't know any better, and they know that they're playing in one of those camps or another. So I really feel that, you know, 350 years ago, when the Illuminati in Bavaria coined this idea that we would have to start building cities based on energetic ley lines of the power structures and the power spots on the planet, which in the old days, the thousands of years ago, cultures and people were able to see energy just like they do with Reiki or people that can see auras, right? These people could see where they were building a building that was going to last thousands of years. Like in Egypt, they built the Nile, they built the Egyptian pyramids on one side and they built the palaces on the other. The palaces crumbled within a couple of hundred years because the side of the river where the vortices of the counterclockwise water running on the side of the Nile was a negative energy and the side of the river where the water was streaming in a clockwise direction was a power spot. And this is why the pyramids have been there for so long. So once they knew this, the Illuminati was able to over 350 years, look ahead to the future, which they know how to do into what they needed to do to get us to this point right now, 
which is two, two places it can go. Either the end times, if we don't stand up to what's going on and open our eyes to tip that point, okay? Or a new level of consciousness where we destroy those structures that have now put their, uh, you know, impose these draconian measures on us. And let's say this, pedophiles, child trafficking, Satanism, adrenochrome, Pizzagate, the Clintons, the Epsteins, it's all possible. I mean, look, anybody needs to just go look at Hollywood. A video is called, These Boots Were Made for a Walk-In. And all of a sudden, John, everybody has casts on their feet because they're covering up the fact that they've got ankle bracelets so they can be tracked. Okay? The whole Hollywood bunch of, uh, bunch of pedophiles, Ellen DeGeneres, Upper Winfrey, everyone, Madonna, every one of them are going down in hell. And so, long story short, we've gotten to this point where everything and the agenda of the mainstream media, the schools with all the Illuminati, Rockefeller, Rothschilds, basically taught all the schools how to start, you know, teaching away from the heart and going more into science. We took away the power of the children and the, and the family structures we started depending more on, you know, uh, foods that were deficient in nutrition and water, sprayed our skies with chemtrails, got 5G and more digital communications so that now, as soon as you're nervous in a club or a coffee shop, you get on your phone because you can't look at people. The music was destroyed with a certain megahertz that actually hurts a cellular organism instead of enhance the power of, let's say, solfeggio frequencies. Classical muses, versus, classical muses versus gangster rap. Like, every, this is what I'm talking about. I created Mentra World Service Corporation back in 2012 because over 25 years I could see the play. Right? And that's why I'm here at thatchannel.com today because I've seen we're an alternate community renegade uh, you know, a media outlet was willing to take a look at what was going on in the world, no matter how ridiculous it sounds, okay? Flat Earth people, <laughs> right? Illuminati, chemtrails, 5G, you know, and I'm a proponent of understanding how they put BPA plastics in water to shrink men's balls, honestly, the, the, the CBC did, did a documentary called The Disappearing Male, where there's a high level of boys being born without testicles and micropedas because now they can no longer propagate as true men. And you've got a trans-human agenda going on with confused people out there. And the women have been over-estrogenized because of, you know, estrogen-based foods, that have created a lot of miscarriages and a lot of disconnection between families where men, quite frankly, the protectors of our world have been, uh, have been cut off. We've been demonized for a long time and this was all part of the agenda. So that's the big, that's the big thing. Where have we gone wrong? We screwed up in the last hundred years. The last hundred years have been the run up to what's going on right now. So what do you think that we can do in order to find our place once again? Um, I would say to, there's three words. Jacques Fresco said it best with the Venus Project, okay? He said, there's really, this is how he said it. You know, when I look at 
educated people out there, you know, there's really only one thing that they should say to each other when they don't understand an argument. There's three words they can say, and this has actually saved men from wars and stuff. It could really help the world. It's, I don't know. There's so many hypocrites out there, John, trying to sound like they know what the hell they're talking about when they can just shut up and go, you know what, I don't know. Wow. Now, I'm going to listen to you, and maybe you can tell me, because I appreciate the fact that you have some knowledge. Like, let, let me give you an example. I'm holding a bottle of what's called mastozymes here, okay? These are the most powerful digestive enzymes on the planet. How do I know? Because they've been calibrated through kinesiology to be formulated with the highest intent for all universal organisms in the beginning of time, past, present, and future, future for all of time for the betterment of human organisms. Okay? Nobody does that. P3OM, a probiotic that can digest tumors. Capex, this stuff helps people digest lipids like a keto diet. Why do I know these are the best? I don't. But all I know is my best friend... His stuff, every time he touches something, it's gold. And it's the best stuff on the planet that I know. Do I know how an enzyme really works? No, but I trust in the fact that it does because I do it personally. So the thing is this. You have to ask questions. You have to look for mentors in your world that are prepared to help you with no judgment and no projection. The Mankind Project helped me with that because every time you think someone's doing something wrong and they should change their life, that's called projection. I project onto you, John, that that blue would look better on me than you, okay? How dare you look better than me, you son of a bitch, okay? Now, I'm going to laugh at your blue because, how, you know, I'm going to go and buy that shirt later, but I'm going to make you feel like an asshole for wearing it, okay? Because I'm projecting on you. And everybody out there with their masks, they're projecting on people that they shouldn't wear their they should be wearing their masks because I am. You should be wearing your mask because I don't know what it means to wear this mask is that I want you to be ignorant like me. But guess what? I have been in the medical industry and I know that there's more chance of complications during a surgery in North America when people wear their masks. North America is one of the only countries in the world that wear masks in surgical centers in acute care because they've seen the studies that 50% of cross-contamination and infection happens when you wear a mask. So why do they wear masks? Because they're affiliated with the medical model with the American Medical Association and the pharmaceutical companies that sell people the products that they have to then take to combat the infection makes more money than the cost of a mask, okay? We've seen this. And because of this COVID thing, now I know about masks. I knew a little bit before, but now it's like, oh, damn. The masking agenda. Oh, okay. Well, then, vaccines. Before today versus before 20, 30 years ago. I was like, yeah, vaccines don't make any sense to me. Why? Well, you know what? When you take a look at formaldehyde and mercury, you know, where uh, a couple, an ounce of mercury can uh, poison a whole Lake Ontario. And you're telling me there's a couple of, uh, you, you know, like uh, increments of mercury in an injection. And that uh, women uh, who have mercury poisoning, 
uh, have birth defects? You're telling me I should have that? Oh, and a fetal cell, you know, from a aborted fetal uh, from a baby. Oh, wait a second. That doesn't make any sense to me. And then the final hit was when my good friend, Alan Park, who was a comedian with Air Force, did a skit on Air Force about what goes into a vaccine. And, and actually, that was the most downloaded scene. That was the most sought after CD bought from the CBC in Canadian broadcasting history was Alan Park's skit on Air Force on what goes in a vaccine because it was true. And they shut that man down and basically screwed up his life. So if I could say something about the CBC here, I would, but I'll keep it nice. Yeah, don't, don't, don't get me started on the CBC. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so do you think that we need more role models like Dan Pena? Ooh, you had to pick on Dan Pena. I love Dan Damn, Pena. brother, you know how to push my buttons, don't you? You're really... You couldn't pick Anthony. You couldn't pick Tony Robbins, or you know, no. Okay, I like. So, uh, let let let's let's get one thing straight. I respect Tony Robbins. I really do. I I really like his stuff, but when I hear somebody talking about like you know what a man has to be like, the first thing that pops into my mind is Dan Pena. Okay, here I go with this. Um, I appreciate his passion. I appreciate, I appreciate his shock quality. I appreciate people that I know that I respect that tell me, listen, the media you see of Dan Pena is meant to scare you shitless. Okay? He's a shock jock like Howard Stern. Howard Stern, back in the day, pissed off a lot of people. But once you got to know what he was doing, he was right about a lot of stuff, okay? People would be like, oh, Howard Stern said to this guy, he wasn't allowed in his show and he just had to shut up, you know, because he just didn't appreciate giving Howard Stern advice because Howard Stern's like, why would I take your advice? It's my show. You can kiss my ass and go over there where the fluffy liberals would appreciate your comments. Dan Pena, same thing. Once you get to know what this guy's doing, he's got a place in the world because we need to show people how we've got a whole bunch of, you know, wet behind the ear, face diaper wearing men with no testicles out there. And he'd rather punch somebody in the face then listen to another sniveling asshole complain about what the fuck happened in life instead of fucking doing something about it. So yeah, I fucking like Dan Pena because he gets to the point and he shocks people to wake them up from the fact that there are a whole bunch of mama's boys out there. They got raised because the men went to the hills because they were afraid of women. Okay, so yeah, I like Dan Pena. Would I hang out with the guy? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Do I respect him for who he is? Goddamn right I do. Do I respect Tony Robbins for what he brings? You goddamn right I do. Because you know what? My best friend Wade spends 30 grand to spend a weekend with a guy like Tony Robbins. Why? Because Tony Robbins, when he had mercury poisoning from eating too much damn salmon with his salad, fucking stopped the show he was doing, went off to surgery at the hospital to get fixed up, came back 
before the show is done and finish the damn show with his IV bag in a wheelchair <laughs> at death's door wow. where he could die at any minute after his heart valves were put back together because the mercury deteriorated his arteries and the guy went through his show, okay? So, do I like his message all the time? Not necessarily. Does he hit the button home for certain people ready for the message? You're fucking right. He did well with that. He really did. So that, all of these guys have their have their proper place. Absolutely. That's why that's that's one of the things that I respect about Tony Robbins. Like uh I just don't like the whole like uh the whole, you know, huggy feely kind of stuff. I, I know what he's trying to do and I respect him for it. I, I know his message and I respect him for it. I just ask you this, John. Have you ever been to one of his shows? No, I've never been to one of his shows. So So what I I would say is this. I would highly recommend, just so that you really know what you're talking about, go attend one of his shows. I will promise you, without a doubt, that you will come from that, learning something more about yourself, learning more about somebody that you have judgments about, and take a look at how you show up and see what you can bring from this. Because honestly, like from what Wade has told me, is that it's not necessarily just about him on the stage. It's the relationships you have with the people in the audience. And you see them go through their aha moments. Mm-hmm. So that, yes, you can put aside your judgment about him just for a, a little bit. Because, man, I'm telling you, he takes you through a process that cracks you open like a walnut. And my best friend, like I told you, this guy goes in the fire every time. And he does look at what Daniel, Dan Penyon He goes into Jordan Belfort with the straight line persuasion. Let's take a look at the Jordan Belfort. Okay? I, I studied the straight line persuas, persuasion after Wolf of Wall Street. And I couldn't stand, this, I couldn't stand the guy. I'm like, wait a minute. You don't answer someone's question directly. You just kind of go around in a loop until you answer the question indirectly without them knowing you answered the question because you don't want to let them gain control of the conversation of the sales process. Bullshit. I don't like that shit. I'm like, somebody asks me a question. I don't want to give them the benefit of the doubt that they think they have something over me. And then I'm trying to baboozle somebody like, I hear your question. Now, I'm going to put your question over here for a second, and I'm going to show you how I answer it instead of looping you into a process. Because I say, you know what a sales process, a sales loop process with a funnel is? They go, uh-huh. And I'm like, even if you don't understand what the sales funnel is, I'm going to tell you what it is, and I'm going to show you how I dissect this because of people like Tony Robbins, Dan Pena, Jordan Belfort, Greg Braden, Dr. Hawkins. You know, everybody's got a different way that they sell and pitch their program. Mm-hmm. So what I take a look at is like, oh, like Howard Stern. Can't stand the guy. But I appreciate the fact that he stands up and he calls people out their bullshit. And then when somebody calls him on his bullshit, he's like, okay, fuck you. Who cares? Same thing as Joe Rogan, right? You go on Joe Rogan's show and you call him out on something and he'll be like, wow, you got some balls. You know, I could pretty much go over there and punch you in the head in a second. Like, yeah, I know that. All right, great. Well, let me answer your question because Joe Rogan's got balls. He doesn't give a shit. Why? Because he has a show, his own show. He knows he can handle you in the ring. He knows he's intellectual enough to come up with his own answers. And when he doesn't know, he likes to learn. That's a man. Yeah. 
So, so I you, always love people when they, I love people when they counter me. Cause I'm like, where does that come from? And why are you put, why are you, why are you putting me down? Why can't you just trust me for a minute and trust the fact that I really have better things to do and then sit here and explain myself around the fact that you might have to learn a lesson here, but Hey, I'm willing to do this with you. We're doing this together, bro. Yeah. So you think that this is a good lesson for any man out there that's, you know, not having a, uh, it's having a hard time with himself and trying to figure out where he sits in his yeah. place in this world. Do a moral inventory of where you fucked up. Look at your mission and what your dreams are. And if your dreams aren't in line with your mission and you don't even know you have a mission, then get one, find out what you're happy doing and if you, if you don't, ask God the question in meditation and you will get the answer someday, somehow. And pay attention to who shows up in your life because at the end of the day, once you understand that God is everything and everywhere, that every time you come up with somebody who rubs you the wrong way is probably the person you have to bring closer into your life and ask the right questions. Why does this person trigger me? It's something in myself I haven't paid attention to. And then, boom, once you understand from studying mystics like Paramahansa Yogananda and the Self-Realization Fellowship is that through past lives and karmic propensity in this life right now, that you've come back life after life. And if you don't learn your lessons in this lifetime, you're going to come back. And if you want to come back as a blithering little shithead that's pooping yourself and pissing yourself every five seconds until you learn how to be a human again, three or four years old, you start to realize, uh-oh, I got to do this all over again. If you want to keep coming back here, you better learn quick and pay attention to when people punch you in the face every day until you realize you don't want to be punched in the face anymore. And then you take a look at why they want to punch you in the face. Oh, maybe I could change a couple of things. Maybe you should take a moral inventory of how you're showing up in your life. That's all. Do your research. It's all I say to people all the time. Like when I pick, take people down the street and stuff and I start yelling at them, all I say is this. These masks don't work. The virus is a hoax. The government and the media is lying to you. Please, for the love of God, do your own research. Don't believe a thing we tell you. Do your own research. What's wrong with that? Stop believing the spoon-fed mentality of a media that has nothing in its best interest for you. Just wake up, people. Wake up. This is where we lost it. You started putting your consciousness and your development in the hands of people who could give a shit care about you. And so help your food bank down the street. Help your elderly. Hold the door open for people even if they don't want you to. It's your thing. You're doing it because you care about them even if they don't care about themselves and they have a program telling them that you think they're weak they can't open that door. That's not the point. You're being a nice person regardless of how weak they are. You're being a nice person to pick up that piece of garbage. You're doing something nice for people that they didn't ask for. I have a hole in my foot, John, right now that finally healed after two months. Why? because I had a dog downstairs where I live atop of a dog grooming studio. The dog got away and I raced down the street on my skateboard with no shoes on. And I had to stop four times to try to catch the little bastard. And I wore a foot through, I wore a hole through my foot. 
Why? Because I needed to save that dog. I didn't care about it. Did I ask questions? No. I went out there and saved that dog. Why? Because the man who was crying blue murder was either going to die of a heart attack or something bad was going to happen to this man as he was trying to run after his little dog. And that's all I knew how to do. So I don't ask questions. I look for people that have, who are not afraid to ask for help, even when they don't know how to ask. This is what we do. That's what we're supposed to do as men, John. How did you come about finding your mission? The MKP. The Mankind Project, literally. See, I knew what my mission was in a broad form. See, 17 years ago when I gave up drinking because I was an alcoholic, I had a moment of clarity the morning I came back from rehab. I remember the day correctly. It was a beautiful Sunday morning. I was at a, an old desk in my father's home. The sun was streaming in. And it was one of those still warm days, John. You know them when the, the sun's coming in from the window. But you can see the dust particles flying because there's no air. I looked at those particles and I imagined that God was giving me a message to say, you made it. You didn't kill yourself. You didn't kill someone else behind the wheel of a car. You didn't kill somebody in an argument or a fight because you were too drunk to remember. You're here today. And boy, boom, I decided to pull out a piece of paper and I wrote down the Lamont group. The Lamont group is a group of people that want to just hang out because they think I'm a nice guy. And that's all I had to write down because I already knew I had a bunch of guys. We had a men's group uh, loosely held in New Brunswick. There was like about 15 of us and we would all meet at my house. We would roll big joints, have lots of beer and literally we'd go on my roof and start drinking beer and stuff and just throw empty bottles against the, 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 the doors next door to us because we had a bottle of recovery dispensary place. We just said, why waste time? Let's just finish the beer and throw it over there to smash the bottle around the pavement. Right? On Monday morning, they had a nice little pile of glass already done for them. Okay? That, that's what we did in Moncton, New Brunswick, on top of body and soul back in the day, okay? Now, I'd take these guys into my closet and dress them because they were Slavs. They were Slavs. They were like, we're not going to go meet girls with your damn shoes, your sneakers all undone, and your, your pants hanging off your ass. No, no, let me go dress you. Okay? So, I knew... Guys, people liked hanging around with me for a reason. I didn't know why. But I just knew there was something I was supposed to do, and I had a heart. I had a heart. And the only thing keeping me from my mission back then, John, was the fact that I was an alcoholic. I did stupid things. I stole. I committed arson. I did bad shit that can't be proven right now, so don't even bother trying. Right? But I can still go to jail for things that I've done, John, because you know what? At the end of the day, people do bad things when they're in bad places. And I had a broken heart. I felt the world had taken advantage of me and left me for nothing to die. And so I said, you know what? That's a story. And I can do something about it, clean my damn act up, stop blaming everybody else except my own shit, and do something about it. And then as soon as I joined the MKP, I went, oh, shit. Nobody talks about mature masculine. Nobody talks about toxic masculinity. Nobody talks about projection. Nobody talks about judgment. And nobody talks about elders helping the young with mentorship. Wait a second. That's what tribes used to do, and we lost it. We lost the initiation process where the boys that were supposed to, you know, once puberty came along, be mentored by the elders. We lost that. 
So I went, oh my God, now I have the answer. Now I can't be stopped. That's the whole point. Once I became sober, it couldn't stop me. And then I had the water come into my life. Then I had these digestive aids. Then I understood better exercise. I understood better fat. You name it. Everything in the world that came to me. You see, because I had a thing about competition, John. You know what competition is, right? Of course. I don't believe in it. You don't believe in competition. I don't, I don't believe in competition. I think that's complete bullshit. I think that's a, an agenda built by the bean counters of a corporation to spend money investigating people when they can't come up with their own damn ideas. It's bullshit. All they need to do to make a better product in a community is this. Just like in France. I'll tell you what happened during my honeymoon, brother. When we went to Paris, we went on Rue, uh, Rue Mouffetard, okay? Where all the brilliant artists like Monet did these beautiful paintings of those cafes. And I walked into a little patisserie and I said to them, wow, why is there no one here? And they said, oh, no, no, monsieur. We are not dependent on your buying a pastry here to make us survive. We supply all the restaurants in the block within a kilometer radius so that we take care of ourselves. And every patisserie is in a strategic location so we don't cannibalize our business. And all the big box stores are outside in the suburb city limits so that they don't destroy our passion. They don't destroy the small store. And if we had that environment in North America, we wouldn't have this shithole of now looking at all our small businesses gone. Because all a small business had to do was say this. Hey there, Bob. You own... Uh, a sausage factory. Well, guess what? I'm not going to open up next to you like a douchebag. Okay? I'm not going to ruin your business. I'm going to ask you and figure out how I can be far enough away from you so that we can service my own clientele where I don't take away from your business. And I'm going to take the things from your business to be improved and go, hey there, look what I figured out in our business to make it better, Joe. Why don't we do this together? Instead, they come in with sneaky people. They call asking for prices, you know, so they can price gouge their people, right? And be sneaky about it and never, nobody wins. So that's what happened, in my opinion. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I, uh, I agree with you there. The old ways, man. The old ways need to come back. And this whole new, this new world agenda right now is just shining a light on the fact that this is what happened. And guys like me are standing up for it going, you know what? I would rather die than go back to that system. And even worse now, in a state where I have to go to a restaurant and have dinner with you, John, with a damn plexiglass in front of me. Or go sit at a bar somewhere and talk to a waiter or a bartender with a mask on. No, I want to see your lips. I want to see you talk to me. I want to know what you're thinking of me because I can't even tell if somebody hates me or likes me anymore. Like literally. Yeah. How can you yeah. tell? No, you and can't. I don't want kids being raised today at two years old, going into kindergarten, you know, four years old, going to kindergarten, grade one, thinking this is the way we are. Bullshit. No, I will stand up to that. I will. That's awesome. You know? And I'm just showing other people how to do it. It's okay. No, that's totally fine. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm totally for that. I, I think that's amazing. Uh, do most people understand that they do have a mission? No. 
No, they don't. Nope, because they've been relegated to believe in an authority figure that is not them. They went to school and the parents send them there. That's the point. You know, a, a parent said to me the other day, hey, would you send your kid to this new environment? No, I would not. Because I know plenty of parents who have taken their kids out of school to go touring the world, traveling for a year, and they're just great. As a matter of fact, they're richer for it. So don't put them in a situation right now where they're horrified at what's happening in the world. School is hard enough without having to now deal with this, you know, Pink Floyd agenda, you know, where the teacher is being throwing the kids in a meat grinder. No goddamn way. Nope. And I'll tell you, um, I would say this. Take your kids out of school. There's plenty of people. Like, for example, there's a um, uh, Chris Sky is an agenda, is a guy who has an agenda for private school on demand. It's called private on demand. Uh, .ca, I believe. And he's working with, you know, an organization that I wanted to pull together with the Montessori, please excuse me, Montessori schools, right? Um, and, you know, alternate teaching methods than the conventional educational system, which doesn't work. It just doesn't. Because like I said, it trains people to think. Authority figures, unless an authority figures, a figure tells you that you passed based on an agenda that isn't based on true human needs. Are they teaching you about debt? No. Are they teaching you how to cook properly? No. Are they teaching you how to iron your clothes and do laundry? No. Are they teaching you how to have a relation people? How are they playing? You know, are they teaching how to do drum circles and teaching about the First Nations people that were here way before? What was their way? They're not teaching any of this. So principals, teachers, cops, judges, everybody's an authority figure. When are we going to teach our kids that they have the power? When are people going to understand that you need a mission? And a mission is based on growing your society, human beings, in a better way than where we are today. Why are we going down? Why are we the only... If you look at the Thrive Movement, right? With... I um, can't remember his name. Foster... Mm, can't remember his full name, but the Thrive Movement talked about a very simple, what, simple thing. Why as humans, why are we trying to survive and not thrive? Why are we the only organism that's always fighting to survive? Right? It's really simple when you just break it down to the very core tenets of what it means to be a heartfelt society where people are heard and when you listen to people instead of talk all the time, you might learn something. Because like I said, everybody has God in them. And so if they're coming up in front of you and they're actually having a conversation, shut up and listen. What does this person need in the moment? You know, create an environment where you can hear them. Put your phone away. Listen to what they have to say and be open for that, you know? Yeah. Um, it's actually interesting that you said, uh, the, you know, a, a couple that took their kid around the world. Um, I wasn't that lucky. I, my dad was working six days a week. I barely saw my dad. Right. And my mom basically raised me, myself and my sister. Right. But uh, just before the pandemic, or sorry, pandemic. Right. I love the fact that you messed that up. Mm, excellent. Was, yeah. Mistake. <laughs> 
that's what I say when I, I say I'm creating the ethical culture. <laughs> What's not a cult today? What's not a cult? Everything. What do you think is going on today? I don't like this cult. But uh, anyways, um, like I was traveling the world and one of the places that my travels took me was Cambodia, which I grew up in high school in the 90s and we learned nothing about what happened in Cambodia in the late 70s. Right. So it's like, and I asked uh, one of my old clients, I'm like, uh, yeah, we were talking about, the, uh, you know, oppression and this and that. And all of a sudden I told her, I go, well, what, what's your thoughts on, uh, on Cambodia? And she was like, what happened there? Uh, <laughs> right. Seriously? Serious. <laughs> Seven million people to three and a half million people in only four years? Like, really? They're not teaching this? Right. Yeah. I know. Anyways. There's uh, such a vibrant, you see, and that's the thing. I love this pandemic. I'll say it for you. Um, I love it. You know why? Because it's, it's bringing clarity to what we missed. How did this happen? And you see, that's what I was creating with the Lamai group. My, my corporation was created that it was called Mentra and it still is because my accountant didn't dissolve it like I told him to do. But anyways, everything happens for a reason. So we'll, we'll, we'll get that real rehash Mentra. So Mentra World Service Corporation um, was meant to be in world service. In other words, how do we get here? And then, of course, all of this happened. They went, oh, God, forget the corporation. I'll just do this personally on the street yelling at people. Um, which is a little bit more than that. But, but what I was trying to show people was, how do we get here? Let's ask the right questions and be willing to live with the answers and fix it no matter what. No matter how bad it looks, let's clean up this shit and just admit we fucked up. We let it happen. Now, what do we do? Great, let's do this and let's go. Now, like not even wait. There's no other way. Like, okay, for example, you, you know Lord of the Rings, right? Yeah. Okay, Merry and Pippin get taken away by the orcs. Aragorn's sitting there. They just lost Frodo and Sam. And they're sitting there going, okay, now what do we do? Maybe we should just stay here and clip our nails and stuff and make some tea. Nope. We're going to start running. But that's a long way away. That's okay. We have Mary and Pippin who are waiting. They've been taken away. They don't know what's happening. They're the last hope. We, we're the last hope they have. Let's go for it no matter what. That's the thing. And that told me, for example, if my family's in New Brunswick right now and all the shit hits the fan, John, I have to be ready to get on my skateboard and start skateboarding and run all the way back home. And I'll get there. I will. No matter what. Because I saw it in Lord of the Rings and I know it's possible because that's the way they used to be. We used to be that strong. Yep. And I know this because I understand the history of water, food, nature. We used to be able to not eat for days, just drink water. The streams used to have water so rich. And that's yep. the thing about the Kangen. It's not just alkaline. It's way more than that. But that's what water used to be on the planet, you see? So, yeah, it's, it's possible for us to heal the planet. Let's take a look at the, the environment, John. Look at what happened, right? Well, we were, what, a month and a half, two months into COVID, and all of a sudden dolphins showed up, right? Like the skies. Dude, you're, how old are you again? Um, Mid-40s. 
Nice, nice. Okay, so let's let's look at our age at 40. I'm 49. So do you remember the days, bro, when we were in the 80s, early 80s, early 80s and stuff, when the skies in the summer were so crystal clear? Yeah. And the sun, you could literally go like this and you could feel the air in yeah. nature because it was so vibrant. We lost that over the years. And I'll tell you, this summer was the first time I didn't see all the chemtrails because George Soros couldn't pay the bills fast enough because half of them are going to jail. That's what I saw. And then every once in a while, chemtrails would happen and they were gone because they couldn't even handle nature anymore. Nature came in for the first time this summer and got cleaned up. So is it possible for us to clean up this world faster than we thought? You're damn right it is. That was a lie too. We can do this really fast, brother. I know. All we have to do is just stop doing what we're doing for a little bit. And I think this is, I think this is a deeper, this goes to a deeper message to all guys out there too. Like if you can just stop doing what you're doing, even for a little bit and just sit back and just look at what you're doing. That's it. That just, just reflect on your actions. You can, I mean, you guys can change yourselves. Truly, so, it's the only thing we can be responsible for, quite frankly, right? To start with yourself. Start yeah. with you. Then you can worry about everybody else. Can't change anybody until you change yourself. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And I've had a monk tell me that and my martial arts instructor tell me that. If you can't fix yourself, you can't fix anyone else. They'll never listen to you because subconsciously they can't put up with your bullshit. Exactly. Quite frankly, if you can't do it yourself, they know. People just... And that's the thing, right? If you just become a beacon of light and you do whatever you can, you give people the opportunity to understand, I make mistakes like everybody else. But listen, if nothing, if you've got nothing to do but call me on my mistakes, be willing to sit there and listen to the answer. When I come up with the answer for myself, you better be willing to listen. Because yep. you know what? I just won't listen to you after a while. You're not worth it to me anymore because you don't care. You got one agenda and it has nothing to do with me healing myself or you learning anything from what I do. Yeah. Don't even bother. So switching gears a little bit, not, but switching gears a little bit. What, what is cognitive, cognitive dis dissonance? <laughs> I can't say those, those two I, words. Cognitive dissonance. Yes. <laughs> is the, and I don't know the exact, the exact definition, but I'll tell you it's adamantly, inherently bludgeoningly so standing up against something that you have no idea what the hell you're talking about because it's an uncomfortable topic that needs addressing and you just it just hurts too much to think about it i'll just i'll give you an example if i told you to stop watching tv okay if i told you to stop drinking coffee if I told you to just stop smoking marijuana, if I just told you to stop doing things and I just said to you, hey, you know, just do it for a couple of days. Let's do some research and I'll show you why you should do this. But you're so tied emotionally to your story. I'll give you an example. For example, water, Kangen water, okay? So I have people sitting in an audience with me. The wife sitting there, She's been drinking it for weeks. She knows how good it is. The husband who's sitting there, who's been drinking every night, you can tell because he can smell the booze on him and his face is red because he's shaking. And even being in that meeting right now, he's having a shake because he's sitting in a damn meeting and stuff drinking water and he should be at the bar right now, but his damn wife dragged him out to something he really doesn't want, like church, okay? And 
They go through everything. And I can see this guy shifting. I can see his eyes opening up. The redness in his eyes are going away and he's standing up straighter and he's not so negative and he's laughing a little bit. It feels really good. And all of a sudden they hear the price of the machine and they're like, and she's like, see, Joe, I told you, I told you, I can see it in your eyes. You're feeling really good. And he goes, well, I know it makes sense, but you know what? No, I don't want it. And we're all looking at each other and going, what? Nope. I just can't do it. I'm going to go back to my old life because you know what? That's the easy way. Why? Because if I just do the easy way, which is just go with the old program. I don't have to see the state of consciousness that is going to take me down. I don't have to, I, because even myself, okay, brother, there's a fear of failure and there's an even bigger fear of success. The failure yep. is easy. That's easy. That's the program everybody sees because they try and they fail. They try and they fail. And the cognitive dissonance is them not wanting to try anymore because they don't believe that the next best thing that you just told them is going to work, even if they drink the Kool-Aid, is not going to happen. And they'll be heartbroken again. Now, what's possible? The fear of success. Oh, shit. That means I got to stop talking about my story. It means now people aren't going to listen to me about my back, my sore back anymore. That means now people are going to be expecting me to walk to work instead of get a drive. It means that now I got to get off my ass and get fit. Now it means that I can't, you know, like story, story, story. And my fear of success now, John, is for example, every week I'm in the front of an audience. Last week I was in Ottawa in front of 20,000 people. Okay. Now I went from a thousand people in Queens Park to 20,000 people in Ottawa in front of Parliament Hill with cops looking at me and stuff, flying a Quebec resistance flag and having all the Quebecers looking at me like, damn, you know? Uh, actually, John, can you hold on one second? Sure. Helen, do you need help getting in the door? <laughs> so the thing is, that's what happened, right? I went to that new level and dude, I surprised myself. I went full out, hardcore. I sounded great. I wasn't shaking. I stood in the rain. I was out there for five hours holding two flags. Every time I, my shoulder started giving out on the left, I'd, I'd, I'd hold my phone to film while I'm holding, and I'd put my phone in the crook of my arm while I'd hold the other flag to come over here and start waving in here so this <laughs> arm wouldn't give out. Okay? And while I'm looking around at all the people that have been with me for the last six months to look in their face to see that they were seeing me on that stage addressing 20,000 people with the French, the English, and the First Nations for the first time in Canadian history. And I'm telling you, my testicles grew another inch. I'm sure they grew just a little bit. And I loved it. I was bleeding. I broke my finger with a damn sound bar, sound uh, equipment landing on my finger. I was bleeding all over the place. My shirt that I had painted the line symbol on was bleeding all over the I looked like I just had been through war. I was the only person in the audience with no shoes on. I was in a pair of shorts and a tank top while everybody was like with their ponchos and their umbrellas. And I'm just sitting there with a the flag going, bring it, oh, la liberté, freedom. And I loved it. <laughs> So, yeah, the fear of success is great. Cognitive dissonance is real. And in my opinion, 
cognitive dissonance is um, probably um, the biggest hurt to humankind, regardless of everything else. Human uh, cognitive dissonance just you know it it makes you turn your back on your God power. It makes you turn your back on the fact that God's trying to you know the joke like the guy that's sitting you know in the flood. And, you know, the boat goes by yeah, and yeah. the helicopter goes by and then it dies. And he goes, well, I was waiting for your message. He goes, well, I sent you a boat and a helicopter. What else do you want? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I and know. so when somebody comes in front of you and makes you uncomfortable, why? Why does it make you uncomfortable? Why do you listen to corporations and governments that are willing to punch you in the face every day? Take your balls away, steal your children from you if you don't do the right thing, and destroy your life. But your neighbor is trying to help you, and you won't listen. So how do you break you through that? You just you stand up in your power, and you change your life your way, and you, you, you just open your heart to people that are willing to listen, and you gradually grow your own community, and you build a new world of intentional community, and you fix your life, and you start to bring in a different educational system. You start bringing in different water. You start aligning yourself with proper food and digestive aids. You do the right exercise. You listen to the right discipleship around learning the hidden determinants of human behavior through the right teachings, and you listen to a guy like me a little bit, and when I'm full of shit, you call me on my shit, and then I show you the difference. And you just, you listen to a mentor and a leader who's willing to learn from the lessons that he makes mistakes. And when you're a master willing to learn from your mistakes, you can't be stopped. And no one can kill you. Because quite frankly, if I can't do it in this lifetime, I'm going to do it from the ethereal, and you don't want me in your dreams. Because until I come back to learn my lesson once again, I'm going to be haunting you in your dreams, my friends, for seven generations of your family. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so the cops, the cops that are with us during these protests and stuff, they're with us. You know why? Because I tell them, if anybody comes after you guys, I'm taking them out. Because guess what? I'm not afraid of cops. I'm not afraid of riot police. I'm afraid of people, the, the, the citizens of this city who think I'm doing bad things when I'm actually out there trying to help them. They're the dangerous ones. A lady tried spitting at us at Bloor and Young this weekend. She took her mask off to spit at us, and she got a big gob going, and she spit it. We all took a look at it and went, it hit on the ground. She lost her footing and fell on the ground and split her head open and had a seizure. And we, yep. And we called over one of our people who was a nurse. And I was there to hold her feet and raise her legs up and stuff and take care of her while the EMS came. And we stopped the protest for a minute. For 15, 20 minutes, all our people took it easy and we took care of this lady. And then once the EMS came, we left. We walked half a block down the street so, street so we wouldn't scare her with our yelling. And then I took the march down the street and then I started yelling and we went over to the Australian consulate at Bloran Church and did our protest there. And then that lady was okay. Why? Because they know not what they do, John. And we're always going to surround people with love, even when they don't know what the hell they're doing. And even when they're getting mad at us, when we're just trying to help people and bring our families back with the help of the police, because we're not defunding them. We're reforming them. That's awesome. Right? Yeah, exact, exactly. 
So do you see a shift in mentality here in Canada? Huge. One person at a time. It's the first time in human history, the English of Canada, the Quebec, the French are freaking crazy. Okay. I wanted to wait till you had some water in your mouth before I told you this one. Okay. Like Thank these you. French people are fucking crazy. Okay. They have the French revolution, brother. What do the English have? The English tea ceremony, right? Oh, well, let's discuss what's going on in the world with a little bit of tea, shall we? Well, how will we look in the media? Well, let's just drink more tea and figure it out. No. The French are like, let's bomb this shit. Okay? Take out the royals. Take out the elite. Let's fix this shit. And the French revolutions in there. Like, look, any culture that has a license plate that says, I'll never forget. The French, je me souviens, they're not ever going ever gonna to forget what the English did, and they'll fight back any time. So for the first time in human history, the English went, damn, we appreciate you, French, because I'm here with a 1,000 people in Queen's Park, but they're doing protests with 100,000 people in Quebec, my friend. Next week, like actually, sorry, this Saturday, bro, we're going to be in Montreal with over 100,000 people for sure where we're going to be in front of them, hoping to God that the energy of the French is brought back into Ontario with the help of the First Nations for the first time. Like right now in Manitoba, we've aligned with the First Nations through the LionCanada.com where we're actually helping the people fund the police to reform the police to start talking more about those missing women and children from the indigenous people that have been forgotten by the government and from the police. And we're standing up for these people and saying, you know what? The line Canada is drawing the line because the government and the police have crossed the line. We're going to show the police how to help the indigenous first nations people. And we're going to do this together. And it's the first time we've talked like this. So yeah, people are changing and yeah, we're having conversations like this more and more because you see, the thing is, John, you understand podcasts can't be taken down. Exactly. Mainstream media can be shadow banned. You can be blocked by the mainstream bean counter, Drina Comb drinking, you know, Zuckerberg losers. But podcasts are other people. Podcasts are everywhere. You'll never stop us. It just takes one to start the process. People that listen to this will never forget. We've got everything we need right now to start a revolution, and we're doing it in a nice way. Super peaceful. But guess what, bitches? Don't mess with us because we are the people and there's already people and there's like, and they're not even part of our organization who are organizing themselves for violent action. They're not even us, man. They're not even us. We know we have our people. They know the government knows what we're doing. The line Canada is going international right now. We just opened up Greece the other day. We got Australia in the line. Like we're lining ourselves up across the world to lead the evolution of a revolution with peaceful protest, peaceful action, bring our communities together and showing the men of the world how to become protectors again, the mothers to be mothers again with their healing emotion and love and bring our children back. Take those goddamn masks off their face and if you come near me with a, a needle, I swear to God, you are going to die. And it has nothing to do with the revolution. It has to do with you poking me. If anybody else poke you without permission, it's called rape. Yeah. You're not going to poke me with anything until you're playing Barry Manilow. You pour me a glass of water, you light a nice beeswax candle, and you call me Sally. <laughs> then you can poke me with whatever you want. Oh, boy. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well just a couple of things. Um, 
this this podcast is like for health and wellness but a for men so like a big thing oh. of why you're here is because of the men's mentality and how it's shifted and i see Damn. it and it's mm. gotten me angry to to the point where it's like somebody has to say something yes brother cuz we weren't designed for what for what society quote unquote society wants us to be like yes. i come i come from a greek background my mom's two hours north of sparta say that again so i come from a greek background yes and my mother is two hours north of sparta so can you can you yell with me sparta can we do this together do it with me now. Sparta! 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 <laughs> so, knowing how my ancestors were, because I did in-depth study of what my ancestors were and how they are now, it, it hurt. Because I went to Greece last summer. Yes. And I was like, uh, I, w- I went to actually Sparta. And... Um, we were we, we asked one of the store owners like how far is the ancient the ancient village of Sparta because the new the new village they built it just south of the ancient village of uh, the ancient town so they okay. still have the ancient town. Oh wow! Like, oh man, it's a ways away. Oh, you gotta drive there. We're like seriously, it's that far? It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 really far. Just you know, it's to, to the main street and you go up. Okay, so we're like you know what. We're not in a rush. So we just went for a walk. Why not? 10 minute walk. No way. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. This is coming from a, this is coming from a, a city state that marched from here to Thermopylae. <laughs> like, you know how far Thermopylae is from Sparta? <laughs> it, God. It's a five hour drive. <laughs> right? That's what I'm talking about here, bro. Like there's African women and tribes that walk 20 miles every day just to get water. Yeah, I know. I know. Like, so, and then people are complaining here. It's a 10-minute oh, walk. I forgot my token for the TTC. Oh, God. I guess I'll have to walk a half an hour. Oh, I cannot believe my distress. I mean, I better have another coffee. <laughs> Lord God, man, I totally agree. And you know what, brother? Um, I can tell you one thing that's going to happen from this podcast today. You and I and our consciousness have shifted. Uh, and you are now part of my tribe. You are now part of my community. Now, every man that I know, every family that I know, even with our good friend here, Hugh Riley at that channel, is that you will not be forgotten and we're going to build something from this. Thank you. But I guarantee means, you. That means a lot. That means a lot to me. Thank you. Because again, John, I, I would die for you, brother. Okay. And I would die for you. And I don't even know you. I, and that, but it doesn't take me a lifetime to understand who to die for. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. You're a man. You believe in something. And I already believe in what you believe in. And I will die for you. I will die for my people. That's the point. You have to be willing to die for what you got. And once you're willing to die because you got everything to lose and you got nothing to lose, 
then you're my friend. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to be closing up the podcast uh, right now. And I always ask these seven questions to all my guests. Uh, So with the increase in people suffering from depression from the lockdown. Yes. What would be the one thing that you could tell them to keep their hopes up? Just understand that, you know, these are a time when everybody's confused right now. They're just feeling the, you know, just to do a little bit more work around consciousness, right? Just, just get inside yourself, become insular. You don't technically need people outside of you. God gave you everything you need inside. Get quiet in your mind. Start to take a look at meditation practice, you know, um, and just, you know, look to see who's teaching meditation and just get involved with just breathing techniques, calming your own stress down and just getting your own techniques on how to calm yourself down and keep depressive episodes down to a minimum. Um, and start taking a look at things that, that help you be fun. Get away from social media. Put the phone down. Get out in nature as much as you can and go sit your ass down on some grass and ground yourself. Very easy earthing techniques to ground yourself. People always feel better when they're in nature. Slow your breathing down. Breathe some fresh air. And get yourself out in the sun. If you can't get vitamin D from the sun, get it through vitamin D drops. So Royal uh, Canada has a great product called Vitamin D Emulsion. And you can take drops of vitamin D that'll help you, especially in Canada with, you know, seasonal affective disorder, which will come through the second wave that they're telling us is coming. Duh, right? You've been wearing masks for six months. The oxygen carrying capacity of your lungs has been shut down because of hypoxia. You've been indoors away from people so that you're not relating to people at a six-foot radius through your heart chakra. And try to get yourself around people again. You know, that's, that's about all that I can come up with. And cool. even with Kangen water, here's the bottle, right? Kangen and water. Get yourself around somebody that can get you this water and start drinking that stuff. Because I'll tell you real quick, 9.5 pH, the molecular structure is like a snowflake. So that's the only water in your DNA right now that can penetrate you at the cellular level for the, probably the first time in your life. And it's about a million times as strong as green tea as an antioxidant. So when you drink that stuff, things start to change, you know, and uh, just start believing in something. Faith is always important in something, you know. Awesome. Uh, Where do you see yourself in the next five years? Oh, my Lord. I can't even think about what's going to happen the next five days, John. (laughs) Um, But that's okay. In five years, I look at uh, the fact that we are going to be uh, living in a new world, Uh, basically where we're restructuring the destruction of the world that we've just gone through. Um, We're looking at uh, a more natural world where we've taken a lot of um, environmental rape away from our corporations that uh, have way too much power in the government, Uh, start making corporations and governments susceptible to personal liability. And uh, I can see myself as part of a, a new political system that will help to change the world. And we're building that right now. Um, through, for example, a de facto illegal government that the government of, uh, and corporation of Canada is going through. And we're going to come up with a, a world organization 
And I will say this on film and on podcasting here is that there is a galactic federation of different dimensions and different planets out there of human races. And I will be one of those people that will be welcomed off the planet on, you know, interdimensionary travel very soon because I will teach people how to go from a 3D reality. And Stephen Greer talks about this with CE5, okay? 3D reality we're in right now to 4 and 5D, which is why this, re this dense realization of humanity right now is going through this. We're ascending as a human race. The people that are negative are going down. And the people that are going to be that are more positive and want a new world of love, which we're creating anyway. I have so much love in my heart right now, John, from what we're doing, that you can't get me down. So, the separation is 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 getting bigger. People are going to be dying of mental health issues, if not from COVID or whatever other kind of virus they unleash on us for the second wave. People are going to go, but they need to. They need to learn what they did in this lifetime. Didn't work. Come back and try again. So five years, yeah, I'll be a world leader. Cool. Uh, if you could pick up the phone right now and call yourself at 20 years old, what would you tell yourself? At 20 years old? Yep. Stop taking things so damn seriously and start paying attention to your footprint in the world. What can you do? Ask more questions and stay in nature. Looking Stay back. Stay in nature. Cool. Yeah. Go visit the city once in a while, but get your ass back to nature. Jump in the ocean, climb the mountain, start eating trees. <laughs> <laughs> Looking back, would you change anything? Absolutely not. I can't believe, my brother, that I'm 49 years old and I have people that I know that are 70, 80 years old wondering what happened and that they wasted their life. And I just look at them and go, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. You showed some of us how not to be. Mm -hmm. Right? My father is 74 years old and I've recently been training him to stop being so negative about his life. But I said, Dad, if you hadn't have almost killed yourself in seven different car crashes, I might not have quit drinking. You know, I might, it, I might have walked away from something a lot worse. I might have destroyed my relationship with my daughter. I might not have paid attention. But because you were a raving alcoholic in your life and you cleaned up your act, I knew I could. So don't ever put yourself down. Don't ever think someone's realization of negativity is, is not your biggest lesson. So just pay attention. So I'm gifted at 49 years old, bro, to be in this state of consciousness right now, even if I tell myself a story that I wasn't doing it fast enough. I'm great. And I have people like you asking me these kind of questions. So I did something right. That's awesome. Yeah, bro. Uh, what keeps you up at night? The fact that I'm not moving fast enough. <laughs> right? That's all. That's it. I can't, I, I, I try. I, dude, I work 12 hours a day now. This whole situation made me busier. So it's like now we're racing to the finish line. Now I can't be stopped. And if you try, then great. I'll, I'll do my best until I get stopped. I can't, I, can't, I can't be stopped. So, you know, I got the light of God behind me, bro. And I got the men behind me. So, you know, we're all ready to rock and roll, man. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Uh, where can people find more about you? 
Oh, goodness. Well, you know, with social media, it's not tough to find you. So right now on Facebook, Lamont Daigle. Um, you can find me on, yeah, Facebook. You know, if you send an email to uh, info at thelinecanada.com, you can get a hold of me if you're willing to speak about uh, which province and in what country you'd like some support and bring some revolutionary and evolutionary action. If you'd like more information about Kangan Water, you can reach me through kanganwatertoronto.com. Um, and finally, you know, they can reach out to you, my brother, because you and I are going to be doing some work together. Uh, and if anything happens in my business through you, I'll totally support your ass and completely sponsor you so that you can't even keep yourself down. Thank you. I appreciate that. We're going to help the world with that shit. So yeah. that's the way we do it around here. Uh, any final thoughts? Jeez, no, man. <laughs> I think if, uh, if people don't get the hint of what's going on from what we've just done here, you and I, they're lost souls. <laughs> they really are. Um, however, that's okay. You never know the way people get their lessons, right? But hey, just at the end of the day, get a hold of me. Get a hold of me through you. And you know what? We'll change the world, man. We're doing it every day, one person at a time. And uh, nothing can stop us. That's what, you know, that's what uh, higher consciousness means, man. You know, yeah. you, gotta, you just got to do the God love. That's it. Yeah. And right, for bro? everybody out there listening or watching... Um, I am going to put all the links to Lamont uh, in the show notes so everybody has easy access to get a hold of him. Cool. Lamont, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, this was probably one of my favorite shows. Not, not saying that I, don't, I didn't have any other favorite shows in, my, in, in, in the past, but this was an interesting one, um, <laughs> to say the least. Wait, did we really miss any topic? Like, did we really keep anything off the table in this discussion? No, no we, oh, we, we got we aliens just, in there. Yeah, we got aliens in there, which... Polyester uh, underwear. Yeah, everything. We got everything. Shit. So uh, it's awesome. it's good. This is a good, well-rounded um, uh, podcast. I, I really enjoyed it. I actually really did. So again, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, you're definitely going to be coming on again. I guarantee that. And uh, to uh, go, you know, guys, going through hard times is just a test. What you it need is. to know. Just ask for help. What you need to know is that when you get out of whatever you're going through, you will be stronger than ever before. And you don't need to go through it alone. Always know that you are not alone. Stay tuned for more real people with amazing stories just like yours. Until then, to everyone out there listening, I wish you a good morning, good afternoon, or a good night, wherever you may be in this crazy world.